Welcome, adventurers. This is part two of the tale, Hidden Among Barrels. If you haven't yet listened to episode three, please stop now and do so. For the rest of us, let us hurry. For remember, Mela is caught in the vile grip of Borvin. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon <laughs> Mela struggled against the choking grasp. She beat and clawed at her assailant's arm to no avail. He held tight. What's going on down there, Borvin? Came the call from the mouth of the alley. Borvin's ugly grin deepened into a sneer. He turned his head toward his companions and called back. Our evening seems to have brightened, lads. I found us a little plaything. Altogether unpleasant chuckles came in return. Neither Mela's arms nor legs could reach Borvin's body, his arm being much longer than hers. So she made the only move left to her as soon as he turned his head. Her hand shot to the dagger at her belt, drew it from its sheath, and slashed at her captor's arm. Even in his drunken state, he caught the flash of movement at the last second and was able to partially retract his arm, but the dagger still caught it as it pulled away, drawing blood. He stepped back and swore. Mela, suddenly released, did her best to gather herself and flee the opposite direction of Borvin's now approaching fellows. But still gasping to catch a full breath, her first steps were unsteady and slow. A now enraged Borvin took one step towards her, landing a haymaker. His fist felt like a stone as it struck the side of her head, knocking her from her feet. As she hit the ground and rolled, the oddest sensation of someone looking through her eyes tickled the back of her mind. Mela managed to roll to a sitting position, facing Borvin. She raised her left hand, pointed, and finding her breath, Mela spoke. Burn. One instant Borvin loomed over her, the threat of pain in his angry eyes. The next instant, the entirety of Borvin was engulfed in flames. He screamed and writhed. The momentary burst of light highlighted three figures, once coming on slowly, now breaking into runs. Mela rolled to her feet and fled as footsteps and shouts chased her deeper into the alley. The stranger opened his eyes. The scene of the ravaged town square returning. He sat unmoving, feeling his breath move through his body. The event had been witnessed and would be remembered. He shifted his weight and began to lay the girl back where he had found her. As he removed his hand from the child's head, something entirely unexpected happened. She drew in a ragged breath, coughed, and a light flickered then returned completely to her eyes, which now turned and looked up at the stranger. Mela vaulted over a pile of crates and landed, still running. A few heartbeats later, she came to a T in the alley. Her head flicked left, and then she darted right. The curses and shouts of her pursuers despite her best efforts, were catching up. They would be on her soon if something did not change. 
She heard the crash of the crates she had just leapt over being kicked aside. The alley she had entered was smaller still than the one she had just come from, barely wide enough for two people to stand abreast. She ran ahead as fast as she could. She saw another turn ahead. This time, her only option was right. Mela barreled around the corner and ran three more steps before she slowed, panic setting in. Fifteen paces ahead was a dead end. The stranger's lips did not move, but in the child's head she heard his voice. It takes much to surprise one who has seen all that I have. He felt fear enter the child's body, and then on her face, the expression that one gets when they remember something they had forgotten. With a frantic whimper, she began to flail her arms and legs, tears coming to her eyes. She was not trying to escape the stranger but instead to fend off the returning memories of what had just passed. In that moment, the stranger could see through both his eyes and hers. He could feel her agonizing dismay as the scene he had witnessed only moments before played over again in the girl's mind, all the horrors repeating over and over. The stranger still cradled the wriggling child in his arms. I cannot leave you in this way, he considered. So strong was your spirit that it would not release this mortal vessel. But I did not feel you there, lingering in the distance. I must have drawn you back when I woke your mind to see your end. He pondered a moment. This should have never happened. But now that it is done, it is not mine to undo. But nor shall I leave you to suffer alone and die, tormented by what has happened here. You and I shall be connected henceforth, and though I cannot take you with me where I go, I will give you a gift of sorts. The stranger placed his hand once more to the side of the girl's head, a pulsing blue light emanating from his hand. The child's flailing subsided. Her tears slowed, then ceased. Her eyes opened and focused again on the stranger, a look of confusion spreading over her face. Who are you? came her small voice, and then, Who am I? The stranger, still kneeling, held the child out and set her down on her feet, and then stood by her side. He reached down his hand and smiled. The girl took the offered hand. She began to look around, but in her mind the stranger's voice came calm but insistent. Close your eyes, child. There are things here you should not see. I will lead you safely from here. There are some who approach that shall take care of you. And then he thought only to himself. Your new life starts today, child. Mela shifted from foot to foot, then took two quick steps towards the dead end then spun and faced back to the direction she came from. A panicky thought of optimism sprung into her mind. Maybe they took the wrong turn at the last tee. This thought was immediately dispelled, as voices could now be heard, getting louder as they approached the last corner. Mela made her way to the end of the alley, placed her back to the wall, and waited. It was but a moment before they appeared. There were three of them. They paused, squinting into the dark. 
and for yet another minute of false hope, Mela prayed they would not follow. But she was betrayed by the scuttle of a cat or rat moving just ahead of her. In response to the noise, she heard a cackle. Come out, Poppet. The game is up, and you owe us. The cackling spread now to all three, the sound of hyenas closing in on their prey. Two of them pushed ahead, shoulder to shoulder, and the last one stayed at the turn, keeping watch. Mela drew herself up and took a step towards her approaching doom. She spoke in an unquavering voice. Leave me be, or you will regret it. The attacker to her left began to cackle again, a smile forming on the face of his companion. As they came on, Mela's fingers began to trace an intricate pattern in the air as she chanted what sounded like a nonsensical child's rhyme. The cackle of the leftmost assailant began to turn into more pronounced laughter. He took another step and then stopped, his laughter intensifying. He tried to stand up but bent back over straight away, his laughter reaching new heights. Tears were streaming from his eyes, and he clenched his sides. A moment later, he fell over, drumming his feet against the ground, now gasping for air between bursts of uncontrollable laughter. What the hell's so funny, Ord? came the confused and irritated voice of the other approaching man, who now stopped, staring down at his mysteriously mirthful friend. Mela took the advantage. She stopped chanting the rhyme, extended her right hand, forefinger and thumb forming the shape of an L. Blue and white arcane energy crackled over her body, moving in an instant to gather in her right arm, and with a whispered word, a bolt burst forth, striking the man who stood over his companion. He howled in pain and jumped backward. What are you? came his dismayed challenge. The blue energy began to spark again as Mela walked steadily toward her would-be tormentors. A second bolt lashed out, barely catching the same man as he turned to flee. Run! he shouted. The lookout cast a confused glance down the alley, but as he saw Mela's approach, blue bolts of energy arcing along her torso and arm, and the rush of his terrified companion, cloaks smoking and tattered, he wasn't sure how, but he knew they had lost the advantage and took to flight. Mela advanced three more steps and kicked Ord, who was on hands and knees, now in an attempt to catch his breath. His laughter was passing as quickly as it had come. Her foot connected hard with his face, his arms buckled, and he collapsed again face down. As he made a weakened and dazed struggle to lift himself once again, Mela drew her dagger, flipped it in her hand, and struck him at the base of the skull with a heavy pommel. A dull thwack, and this time he did not attempt to get back up. She stood, sheathed the dagger, forced a shaky inhale, followed by a long sigh. Not the night she had wanted. It would be a long and hungry day come tomorrow. Walking back to the bend in the alley, she was about to stop and listen when she caught a blur of movement and was suddenly tackled. In confusion and fear, she flailed her arms in front of her as she felt someone or something pin her to the ground, grasping to control her arms. She lost the struggle, and in seconds, both her wrists were gripped painfully tight. The ugly face of Borvin glared down at her, made even more disturbing by the burned and blistered skin. His eyes had lost all reason. They were animal-like and filled with murder. You think you can fog with Borvin like that and get away with it? You think I was going to let that stand? He seethed, spittle flying from his mouth. Well, guess again, my pretty. It's time to... 
His rant stopped in midstream. His eyes rolled back in his head, lids shutting as he slumped forward, fast asleep. With a frenetic effort, Mela rolled his body off of her, scrambled to her feet, and swung her head rapidly, looking for what might come next. Ten paces further down the alley stood a dwarf. The dwarf's features were mostly obscured by the thick wool cloak it was wearing. Deep hood pulled over its face. They both stood unmoving for a moment. The dwarf's hands slowly moved up to its head and removed the hood, as he said in common. You've got some spunk, lass. An impressive skill set to match. I got notice of the pursuit from above. He waggled a finger on his right hand, pointing towards the sky. The dwarf's beard fell past his waist in three large braids. His face appeared cautious, but kind. In an offering of peace, he held both of his hands slowly out in front of him, turning his palms up. He continued, You look as though you've had a rough go of life. A small smile touched his lips. I hope you know that with your talents, you could be a very valuable member of a group of folks who make their living with magic and sword. He paused. Silence hung between them. I happen to know of such a group. Another silent pause. A picture of stoicism, aren't we? I guess I'll stop being circumspect. My name is Colborn, and I'd like you to meet my friends. If it's agreeable to all involved, I'd ask you to join us for a time, to see how we get on. Mela shifted on her feet, but remained quiet. If it works out, you wouldn't have to live this way any longer. A vague gesture towards the alley. We're like a family of sorts, and we look after one another. Do you get what I'm saying, lass? If you want, your new life can start today. Mela crossed her arms. All I'm asking is if you would come and meet my friends. I'll walk in front of ye the whole time with my hands held over me head. Colborn held his arms aloft as he finished. Mela's posture softened. Colborn's smile deepened. What's your name, lass? She hesitated, and then tried on a smile. It felt odd. Mela. Colborn looked surprised, then chuckled. I'd say you look more like a young woman. His smile stayed a second longer, and then faded. Ye do know what Mela means in Dwarvish, don't you, lass? Einar pushed his men on, keeping the same rapid pace they had kept for most of the morning. When you had seen more than 250 years, and been a warrior for near 200 of them, you had a sense for when things were not right. And things were not right. Einar had been leading a routine early morning patrol when they caught sight of the black smoke coming from further down the mountain. Einar wished the smoke was not from the village of Erdavon, but also knew that smoke of that color was that of burning structures not trees. He had ten good dwarves with him, and they all sensed his urgency. The dwarves of Ironhold and the villagers of Erdavon had long been friends, and Einar feared the worst. From the ridge ahead, Dag, Einar's young scout, waved them to a halt. The patrol stopped, waiting silently. Time dragged on. Irrational with worry, Einar yelled ahead to Dag. Orcs, vile boy! What do you see?
Dag's sharp eyes caught motion on the road, leaving the smoldering ruins of what had been Erdogan. He turned and waved for the patrol behind the halt. He turned back to look at the road. For what was but a moment, he could have swore he saw a tall middle-aged man with gray-black hair, walking hand in hand with a small brown-haired child. A drift of smoke obscured his view for a moment. The next he saw, the man knelt facing the child. A girl. Another drift of smoke, and the man was gone. Dag shook his head and looked again. Nothing but a little girl standing in the road, staring eerily toward the hill where Dag was, as if she knew he was there. A shout from behind made him jump. Orcs, vile boy! What do you see? Dag stared a moment longer. Nothing but a little girl. He turned, cupped his hands, and called back in Dwarvish. Mela! Ermela! Little girl! It's a little girl! And so this tale ends. Though the tales of Mela and her companions are many. Join me next week for a new tale in Gloaming Keep. A deal struck in blood. Hey, you've listened to four episodes, or you just started on episode four. Either way, I'm saying thank you. Thanks so much for listening. It really means a lot to me, and I appreciate it. So stick around. There's a lot more to come. And if you started on episode four, go back, listen. You may have missed something in the first three episodes. Thanks.